Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. My name's Pastor Jeff. I'm pastor here at Crosswalk. Welcome to our worship service. It's great to have all of you here this morning. I'm so grateful that you came today. Rainy day, cold. Hopefully you're in here and it's nice and warm and um, maybe not too warm so that you get sleepy. But we're going to talk about what makes a home a home. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll begin reading at verse 21. We're going to talk about husbands, wives, parents, children. How how do you bring it all together into something called a home? Also reach inside your program and uh, pull out your crosswalk notes. Because I'm going to have you write something even before we dive into Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. I want to share just a personal struggle, really, that I've had with this idea of home. And I think it comes from having lived overseas for 14 years. When you move halfway across the world, you actually think quite a a lot about this question. What makes a home a home? And uh, part of it is the grass is greener syndrome. You know, you get so excited to move to a new country and a new place. And you think, man, it's going to be wonderful to have a new home. And you go over there and then pretty soon you start to miss the place where you grew up and where your family is. And you, and you think, man, I wish I could go back home. And, and then you kind of get confused. Where is my real home? Is, is here in Zambia home or is back in Phoenix home? What's home? And that's why I think this is so important for us to to examine today, because I know that it's not just me that asks those kinds of questions. We've got we got all of us have things going on inside our houses that uh, might make us think, is this is this really a home? Is this really how a home acts, behaves, what a home really is? And I think Paul answers that question so beautifully today because he focuses our hearts, our minds, our eyes off of the physical, off of the things that we might naturally first consider and really gets us to dig deeper and say, here are the things that make a home a home. And they're, and they're really about attitudes and actions, as you'll see. So let's take out uh, our pens And if we ask the question, where is home? First of all, home is not where I grew up. The Bible makes that clear. A lot of times when we think about home, think, oh man, back there in Wisconsin, that's home where they wear cheese heads. That, you know, I just miss the cheese heads, right? So, but that's not home, not according to the Bible. Or we might think home is where my house is. Think about how much time and, and money we invest into our houses. We carefully pick that, that house out. We carefully pick what colors we're going to paint all the walls and, and what we're going to put on the countertops and how we're going to make the, 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 the man space look in the backyard, right? And the pool and the garage. And man, when I get it just this way, when my tool board's up like this, dude, this is going to be home, Right? But home is not where your house is. Finally, home is not some ideal vision of the future either. A lot of times that happens. That's kind of what happened to me when I was living in Zambia and I had that grass is greener thing. I thought, man, maybe one day I'll get to go back to the U.S. and and, and then I'll have this and I'll have that. And I, I started to get this picture in my mind of this home, this imaginary home that I thought would be 
And uh, as I've shared with you uh, many times in the past, when I actually did get back here in 1996, I went through a real big rough patch in my life. And a lot of it was about this idea of where, where's home, really? The reason home is none of these things is these are just the externals. And where we're going to learn today is that home is really, as I said a moment ago, about what's going on in here, in here, and with our hands and feet. So let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul says here. And then I'm going to have you do the next fill-in after we read this. Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You may have noticed as we read through this that there's in particular one key attitude which we can kind of break down into two parts that that goes throughout this entire reading and i want you to fill this in home according to the apostle paul here is the place where we commit to love and respect one another it's kind of in a practical practical sense where we know the traffic laws who has the right of way and and as i read through this there was one word that kind of just popped into my mind really that summarizes everything i think the apostle paul is saying here and it's the word yield isn't that really what we're thinking about when we're thinking about right of way when we're on the road is when do we yield when i moved to zambia i had to learn the traffic laws i had to learn what right of way was and it was it was complex not only because they they use the the british system over there and you drive on the other side of the road and the steering wheels on the other side of the car but also because they have these crazy roundabouts everywhere very few uh traffic lights and so you have to you have to understand right of way because you have to know when to plunge into that roundabout and when to wait. Otherwise, you're going to create a little havoc, which I did on a few occasions. And so understanding right away is important when you're on the road. It's also so important when you're in the family. And really, 
Everything that the Apostle Paul is saying here is that's what's key to making a home a home. Understanding when do I yield to my spouse? When do I yield to my children? When do I ask my wife to yield to me? When do I ask my children to yield to me? And what's God's plan for right of way, for yielding? And I can tell you, this is, this is not easy. It's complex stuff. When uh, Julie and I were serving in Zambia, one of the beautiful things that we got to enjoy was about every three years, we got to take a trip from Zambia back to here for a couple months to go on what they called furlough. In between times, you had the opportunity as you were traveling to stop somewhere. And we, on our very first furlough, stopped in Germany. We, We decided we just wanted to see a little bit of Europe. And of course, me being me, I saw in the, in the information we had gathered about Germany that the highest mountain in Germany is called the Zugspitz. And there's this really cool gondola cable car that takes you up there. And, and then on the way back, a, a, a train that's at about this angle that takes you back down the mountain. And you're literally at the very top of this mountain walking around and they built a restaurant up there. Don't ask me how they did that. And there's a nice platform. Well, my wife, Julie, has a little bit of trouble with heights now and then. And so I kind of prevailed upon her to say, come on, this is going to be fun. Let's go up there. You, have you ever heard of the, uh, the philosophical question, what happens when an irresistible force meets an immovable object? <laughs> Sometimes in our family, we've found out the answer to that question. So, so we're up there and I'm running around like a kid and I'm standing on the wall saying, hey, honey, take a picture of me. And there's, you know, it's straight down right behind me. And this is so cool. And right over there, just off the sort of patio area, you have to walk about 20 feet, like on the knife edge of the mountain to what is truly the top of the Zugspitz so that you can say, I have been to the highest point in Germany. Now it's probably about two feet higher than where you are on the platform. But of course I had to go to the highest point in Germany, right? I just, that's, you got to do it. And I wanted a picture of myself. So I, I, I said to Julie, look, honey, I'm going to walk out there. And she just gave me the look, you know, the look that says, no, you're, you're not going to walk out there because I'm thinking I've got to have this picture of me standing in the highest point. And if it's taken just right, I mean, the, the sheer cliffs is going to look pretty cool. And she's thinking, I have three children to raise and I don't want to raise them all by myself. And that's how we sometimes think differently, right? And what happened when my irresistible force met her immovable object? Well, her immovable object won, of course. I, uh, I yielded in that situation because I could see that she was really concerned about me going out there. Don't you have those decisions to make in a home? You know, constantly, whether it's you and your spouse, you and your children, you and other family members. And that's why I say it's so important for all of us to understand these right of way issues and learn when to yield to one another. Look at what it says right at the beginning. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Now, I want to run a video. It's a very short video, but it's a very humorous take on why this issue is so difficult for us sometimes. Ellie, Ellie, if old Duke sits there with you, there ain't going to be room for Granny. Oh, that's all right, Paul. Granny ain't gone. <laughs> Who says she ain't? She says she ain't. That's right, Uncle Jed. She's just sitting on the back porch in her rocker. And she says, that's as close to California as you're going to get her. <laughs> we'll see about that. Dang if I ain't got me the muliest women. First it's Ellie, now it's Granny. We ain't never going to get there. Now, what's all this nonsense about you ain't going to California? Ain't no nonsense to it. If the good Lord had wanted me in California, he'd have put me in California. Well, he's just getting around to it. Book says he moves in mysterious ways. Well, if he moves me, I'll go. But you and Big Jethro ain't a budging me. You ever have those conversations in your house, but you ain't a budging me? You ever heard those words or words like those from someone that you love very much, right? What causes those to come out of our mouth, words like that? What causes us sometimes to be the irresistible force or the immovable object in our home? Well, it really all boils down to this, our own self-interest. It boils down many times to sin or fear. And, and that's why it's so important for us to start with understanding that a yielding heart will come when we take our sins to Christ, when we let Jesus cleanse them away, and, and when we, and we begin to develop a new openness to God's plan for our lives. And that really raises this first question. On the, on the very top of the second page of your crosswalk notes, here's the question that, that we want to ask ourselves. And, and it's a question that we can only ask ourselves through knowing Christ as our Savior. In my home, does Father know best? And when, I, when, I want, when you write Father, write with a capital F, because I'm not talking about the Dad. I'm talking about the Heavenly Father. Ask yourself this simple question because this really identifies the key attitude that we, we need to have to build a home and to make our home a home. Do we agree that in this home, all of us together, dad, mom, children, our heavenly father knows best? And do we trust that his plans are always right, even though we might not understand them, and even though they might go against that sinful part of us that says, look, I know what's best. And that's why I'm planting my feet right here and saying to you, you ain't a going to budge me. And so getting back and, and starting not with our own plans, but with our Heavenly Father's plans is where it all starts. Do you believe, as I do, that we sometimes take our own plans way too seriously? I've, I've seen uh, a, a lot of marriages. I've seen it in my own marriage with my own parenting with my kids that sometimes I get an idea fixed in my mind about this is what needs to happen for us to be successful 
or Julie gets that idea or one of my five kids gets that idea. And and we have it so firmly fixed in our mind that this is the way that's going to lead us to be a happier family, to make a true home. Only, Only problem is we haven't taken a moment to check our idea with God's ideas. And in that sense, sometimes I think we all can dangerously get into a position where we begin to think it's all about our plans. It's all about our ideas. Take a look at what it says in Psalm 94, 11. The Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. And we have to be particularly careful in today's world because there are a lot of human plans and human ideas about what makes a home a home. And sometimes when we look at God's plan, we begin to think, man, I don't know. Really? Some of the things that he's saying here, is, is this really right? And we begin to think, no, this is illogical or unreasonable or, or too old school. Let me give you some examples. How do you react when you hear these words? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Does that sound like a good plan to you? I know a lot of women in today's world who go, whoa, (laughs) really? You want to use that word submit still today? That's pretty old school, Pastor Jeff. Or how about this, guys? Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, guys, step up, love, sacrifice, put yourself out there for your wife, even to the point of giving your life away for her, little ways every day and big ways if needed. Make those sacrifices out of love for the sake of your wife. Sometimes yield to her out of love for her? Does that guy sometimes seem a little bit old school in a world where we're taught kind of these two extremes of man, if I want to be a man, if I want to have a home, be a home, then I got to be macho and I got to lay the smack down and I got I to have my wife just doing exactly everything the way I want it done. One extreme. Or the other extreme that we also hear in our culture today of, man, I got to do whatever it takes to make my wife happy because we all know, happy wife, happy life. And so, guys, we just kind of go, I don't want to do anything to, to make her angry or hurt or offended, right? And we don't step up and lead and sometimes make unpopular decisions even in our own family because we're afraid. So you got the, the macho guy who doesn't know to pull back and when to yield, and you got this guy over here who's going, can I ever step up, or am I going to alienate my bride if I do that? And I love the way Paul just hits the middle ground here, and he says, look, guys, you've got to step up and lead in your home." Part of what makes a home a home is to understand your role. And that's what Paul is dealing with here. This is God's plan for your marriage, guys, to lead in your home, but to lead gently, sacrificially, lovingly, the way Christ led. Notice what it says. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then a little bit later on, it it says that 
Christ sacrificed himself because he was taking care of us as the church just as any of us would take care of our own body because because we are the body of Christ. And he says to us, guys, what if you treated your wife as gently, as carefully as you treat your own body and, and, and loved her that way? Are you ready to do that, guys? And, and I can tell you that if we guys will do that, it makes it so much easier for our wives to say, look, I will submit. You know what that word literally means? It means to subordinate, to put yourself in order underneath. And then getting that idea of yielding and right of way becomes much easier because instead of both husband and wife saying, I want my rights, I got to have it my way. I've got my plan and my idea. Instead, we're both looking for opportunities to yield and to say, here, you have the right of way. And, and the other person no, says, no, you, you can have the right of way this time. And it works so much better. Just the way God promises it will. Take a look at Psalm 33, 11 and 12. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we could say, blessed is the family whose God is the Lord, the people he choose, chose for his inheritance. Now, contrast those two verses. Psalm 94, the Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. They're empty. They're, they're meaningless. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever the purposes of his heart through all generations when we read the bible in light of our own sin and selfishness when we read the bible sometimes in light of what our culture and our time teaches us guess what it may not always make immediate sense to us we may find ourselves kind of cringing or rebelling against it a little bit but hear that promise that when we adhere to God's plan and idea instead of our own, we're headed toward blessing in our life. So here's the very first thing about yielding and having the right attitude and building a home that's a home. Home is where I yield to God's plan. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when society and culture is telling us differently, even when inside I feel like I'm rebelling against that, I still yield to God and his plan. And I say, Father knows best. Here's the thing. A lot of times we find it difficult to yield to God's plan because we're afraid. Our brain kicks in and we say, man, if I do that, Maybe I'm going to get taken care, uh, taken advantage of. Maybe I'm going to become a doormat. Or, or, or a guy might say, man, if I, if I love sacrificially, I'm just going to find myself never with any time for myself. When am I going to get out to the garage to do my little project? Or when am I going to get to watch a football game? You know, because I'm just going to be completely filled with doing honeydew lists for the rest of my life. Right? And your logic kicks in and you begin to think, oh... I, I'm not sure this plan of God is really good because fear is kicking in. And you know, the only antidote for fear is love. In fact, the Bible says exactly that. It says perfect love drives out fear. Think about that for a minute. 
perfect love drives out fear. When we know the perfect love of Jesus Christ, and when we know that he is with us, that tends to take care of our cautions and our fears and our anxieties and worries about how it's going to go if we follow God's plan. We begin to think, you know what? He's promised to bless this plan. And let's step back for a minute. He made a much grander plan, didn't he? To save me. When this world fell into sin and he, and he promised that he himself would come and take care of that, he did it. And he did it in an amazing way. He did it in a way in which it, it forced him, the God of the universe, to yield himself. Talk about yield. Jesus yielded his body, his blood on the cross to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He yielded his life to the will of the heavenly father so, so that he could live perfectly in your place, in my place, and then say to you and me, here, because I've yielded to the heavenly father and lived a, a perfectly righteous life, now I've, I've woven for each of you a garment of righteousness. Here it is, put it on. When you stand before the father, he won't see your sins. He'll see only my righteousness. He'll see only my blood, my sacrifice, my death for you. Your punishment is paid. You don't have to, to worry about your sins, your guilt, your shame anymore. Now, if you know that perfect love, it will drive out fear in your life. In the very same book where the Apostle John says, perfect love drives out fear, he says this, 1 John four sixteen. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Look at that. We know and we rely on the love God has for us. When wives think about subordinating themselves, submitting Gals, you got to come back to this. First of all, I know and rely on the love God has for me. God is love, and he would never ask me to do anything to hurt myself because he loves me, right? Men, when we're asked to get up off the couch and lead, when we're asked to dial it back a little bit on the macho factor or amp it up a little bit on the leadership factor. You got to know God is love and he's asking you to do this because this is not only what's best for you, it's what's best for your wife and what's best for your children. It's what makes your home a home. And so this question that comes right ahead of that verse, 1 John 4, 16, has to, has to sort of rule every thought as we build our home. In my home, does confidence in Christ's love rule over fear? Because if we let fear drive our decisions, all kinds of things happen. L let, me, let me tell you about what I, I've heard uh, time and again as I've counseled parents, for example. Do you see what it says to parents, God's plan for parents? Chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And then it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't frustrate them. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's God's plan for, for you parents to be leaders in your home. But here's what I hear. Wow, I'm not sure if I can discipline my kids. I'm not sure if I can ask them to obey me or respect me because I'm worried about alienating them. We see so many stories in the newspapers today about about parents that have disciplined their children. They've been way too strict. And then later on, we learn that those kids have run away from home or later on when they grow up, they don't have a relationship with their parents anymore. I don't want to alienate my kids that way. And so as parents, we step back from the leadership role that God has given us out of fear that we're going to alienate our child instead of trusting, you know what? God has got a good, loving plan. And does he want me at times to yield to my children and their needs? Of course. But does he also at times want me to step up, lay down the law and say, It goes this far and no further. Set the boundaries and enforce those boundaries. Of course he does. Because he wants us as parents to raise children who respect us and through us ultimately respect him. Now, again, that is no easier in practical everyday life than it is to decide whether you're you're going to... uh, Stop being the immovable uh, object or the irresistible force. A lot of times there are judgment calls. And that's why it's so important to come back to the Bible, to God's plan, and keep refreshing what God has to say, and especially to keep refreshing this. I know and I rely on the love that God has for me. Take a look at how many times in the main text from Ephesians 5 you read the words, as Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. What's Paul doing there? Every time he asks us to do something, he's saying, remember Jesus? Remember his love and where it led him? To yield himself for you. You see it all through here. Verse 21, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So number two here is, home is where I also yield to God's love and I don't let fear rule the roost under my roof. I'm bold, I'm courageous. Sometimes I'm bold and courageous to yield to someone in my family. Sometimes I'm bold and courageous to put my foot down in my family. But I'm bold and courageous to lead as a parent, as a husband. Because that's what God has called me to do and that's his plan. And I trust his love behind that plan. A love that led him to send his son Jesus for me. Here's the final question. And that's this simple question. Do I believe that God has a plan, a purpose behind everything that he's doing, that that he has an end for me, 
for my family members in his mind. And in my home, do we begin with that end in mind? Do we begin with, with God's purpose and God's end in mind? And Paul does a beautiful a beautiful job as he's talking to the Ephesians, reminding them of what God's end is that God has in mind for our families. Do you see it in here? Number one, he says, dads, I want you to remember to grow your children up in the knowledge of Jesus. Notice what he says here. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You see, our role in the family, especially those of us who are parents, is, is to make sure that, that people are becoming more mature in their faith in Christ. It's to bring people up in the training and instruction of the Lord in our family. That's key. To take time daily to read our Bibles, to, to share with our families what God has to say, to lead our families back to the cross, the mercy and forgiveness of Christ. To be able to grow faith is so key. Take a look at what it says in this very same book, chapter 4, one chapter before what we read. From him, that means from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Will you underline that phrase, grows and builds itself up? That's what God wants. That's the end game that God has in mind. When, we, when he pulls us together in families, it's a unit that, that can help us grow up in Christ. It's about maturity, faith maturity. But there's also a sense in which that's only an intermediate goal. A, a goal that's on the way to a much bigger goal. So if maturity is that intermediate goal, the goal for this life, you know what the, the real end goal is? Not maturity, but eternity. God wants to see every last person in heaven with him. And, and, and part of the reason why he puts us together in families is because we're stronger in families. We can build each other up in our faith in Christ, remind each other of Christ's mercy and grace, remind each other of God's plan for our lives. In the very first chapter of Ephesians, again, same book that we're reading from, look at what Paul says. This is kind of part of the introduction for the whole book. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Do you see those words? That you may know what? The hope, the eternal hope is what he's talking about to which he's called you, that you may know about heaven the riches of his glorious inheritance. God, as his child, God has an inheritance to give you in heaven. And he wants you to keep your eyes on that and to never lose sight of it in this life. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Essentially, God wants you to keep on asking two questions when you ask, how do we begin with God's end in mind? And the questions are, how are we going to grow up? And where are we going to end up? 
And to keep those two questions constantly in mind, how as a family do we continue to grow up into Christ? And then through growing up into him, how do we keep focus on where we're going to end up in eternal life one day through the blood of Christ? And that leads to our third and final point. Home is where I yield to God's purpose in my life to the purpose of growing and building up and being mature, to the purpose of eternal life and knowing where through Christ I'm going to end up. And as we come together into a home, it's all about those two things. That's what makes a home a home. So do you see those? I want you to go back through one, two, and three on page two. Home is where I yield to God's plan. Home is where I yield to God's love. Home is where I yield to God's purpose. And as you go through those, will you do me a favor? Circle the word yield in each one of them. That's what God is saying. Yield. And do you notice that it's nothing about the outside? It's nothing about the physical. When I was was in Zambia, I, I used to think, oh, I miss the mountains and I miss the saguaro cactus. I miss home. God is saying, home is not where there are mountains and saguaro cactus. It's not that physical outside stuff. It's attitudes and actions. It's that willingness of the heart to yield. You know, our offices are over at Eagle College Prep where we'll have one-on-one class this afternoon. And sometimes people will come in there on a Saturday or, or Sunday and I'll give them a little tour around the school because it's such a neat thing going on over there. And, uh, and at the end of it, they'll say something like, man, I'm so glad I got a chance to see this school. And you know what I always say to them? No, you haven't seen this school yet. You've only seen the buildings. If you want to see the school, you got to come back on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday because you got to, you got to see the teachers and what they're doing with the kids. You got to see the kids and how they interact. You got to step into a classroom and see the attitudes and the actions that are going on as they're happening. I mean, think about it for a moment. If you were to come back here tomorrow into this auditorium and then say, well, I've seen the auditorium where Crosswalk worships on Sunday morning, so now I know what Crosswalk is all about. Really? You've seen the space, but have you seen the heart, the mind, the attitude and the actions of what this church is all about? And see, that's sometimes the mistake that we make with our homes. We, we, we picture the external and the outside, and God here in the book of Ephesians is saying it's about the heart and the attitude and the action that's going on in the home. And that's where Paul focuses us. It's where we yield to God's plan. It's where we yield to God's love. It's where we yield to God's purpose. When we have those attitudes and actions going on now, now we're finally building a home. And that's what makes a home a home. Take a look at your next steps living the adventure. I want to really encourage you 
to register for a weekend seminar. Man, just uh, last weekend we did our marriage seminar and we had a a group of just phenomenal married couples uh, there and we dug into God's word. I mean, the few minutes that we've taken on this Ephesians 5 passage, we just blow that up and, and, and spend a bunch of time on this and other passages and really dig into God's plan for the marriage. And we get a chance to exchange thoughts and experiences with one another, the, the struggles sometimes of marriage, but also the blessings and joys of, of having that, that partner who's with you for life and especially a, a spiritual partner in Christ. It's, it's awesome. And, and in a couple weeks, we're going to be having a parenting seminar. Same thing. Digging into God's word, exchanging experiences and ideas from the word of God, from our own lives. I really want to encourage you to think about those seminars. Second, I'm going to ask you to do something special today. And it's going to take a little investment of your time, a little investment of your effort. And I don't normally do this, but I I really believe that our families and our homes are so important in this church. They're really foundational to what goes on in this church. And so what I'm asking you to do today is commit to a conversation with your spouse or your children around this study guide. And, And ask each other, Are we really making our home a home? What has our idea about home been? And what will our idea about home be going forward based on what Paul teaches us here in the book of Ephesians? Go through this and say, what are our rules of right away here in the home? And you know what? It doesn't matter to me if you've been married six months or you've been married 60 years It never hurts to come back and talk about how are we going to yield to one another and how's that going to work in a God-pleasing way. And then I want you to do something else. Take it one step further. Don't rely on your own power. Ask God for his supernatural wisdom and power to help you know the rules of right away. Make your home a home and know when to yield to one another and to God's plan. And finally then, these four passages I picked out because they really are the key passages that talk about husbands yielding to their wives, wives yielding to their husbands, children yielding to their parents, and parents yielding to their children. Memorize those, meditate on those, and really think about those. You know what? I want to close on this note. Take one last long look at that cross. When I think about my home, I have been far from perfect on the things that I have taught you today from the Apostle Paul. It's not me teaching you, it's God teaching all of us through Paul. And how wonderful it is that all of us can look at that cross and think about the failures and the mistakes and the sins that we've committed because we've been self-willed, we've been like granny. You're not going to budge me, right? But we have forgiveness. We have grace, we have mercy, and we have power from the Holy Spirit to lead a changed life. You can make that change today in the Holy Spirit's power, and I want to encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to be our Savior. We thank you for the cross and and the yielding of Jesus himself, that, that you yielded him to us. Lord, you are an amazing God. And Lord, may, may we bask in the grace and the love and the mercy.
that, uh, that, that, that all of that displays to us. Lord, as we receive your forgiveness through faith, now also change our hearts and minds. Send us to not only see the glorious hope that you have in place for us in future, but also the power that you have for us in this life to make changes and to learn how to yield to your plan for our our marriages and our homes, to your plan for our parenting, and and also to, to know that behind all of that is blessing because you promise blessing where your plan is followed. Help us to know truly how to yield in our own homes. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.